It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 3 Podcast. This might be college football, We are back, and we are rolling along. Busy show. We have Blake Topmeyer. You just heard from Reese Davis. Uh, some very interesting comments. His first comments that we are aware of since his viral moment on Monday morning on College Game Day. Let's check, check in with Lanier in, in North Carolina. Hello, Lanier. Hey, Paul. Uh, I want to say that I hope Auburn really has a good team in 24 because then, uh, by the way, I'm a – Alabama fan, because then maybe they'll talk about Auburn instead of about Alabama and all our fans and everything, because that's mostly what I hear them talk about. But I, I wanted to say this and just see what see what you think. I okay. think the last play Alabama had in overtime was a snapshot of their entire season with the low snap from the center. And then if you look closely, I've looked at it, I don't know, 20, 20 times the replay. Number 65 for Alabama, Latham, yeah. was completely overwhelmed by the man from Michigan who was blocking him. He knocked Latham into Milrow, tripped him, and Milrow went down before he was even touched by a Michigan player. So my my thing is, obviously, our offensive line is the issue. And what? Who's in charge of changing that? Does the O-line coach coach people about how to center a ball back and, and how to block and not get pushed off like that? Is that the head coach's responsibility? Well, well ultimately, it is. Where does ultimately, that come down? Uh, it's, it's the offensive line coach. But in, 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 but it's that's Nick Saban's domain. And you're right. Uh, McLaughlin, the center, who's now in the portal, got a lot of blame and some of it uh, is certainly on him, but he, he didn't. We talked to a number, number of people. He, it wasn't his fault that the play blew up uh, because it was, uh, it was there were really only two options. And depending on he was either going to run right or up the middle, it, it wasn't going to be a, an RPO. So Latham is mostly to blame. Uh, I mean, this is uh, one of Alabama's best players. He's considered mm-hmm. a, a first-round pick, and, and he, he, did, he got blown so far back that you're right. Uh, as he was going down, uh, Milrow tripped on his, on his leg. Now, you know, right. if, if he had done his job even halfway, Milrow may have had a fighting chance. I mean, he would have gotten a yard or two, and then it's just debatable mm-hmm. whether uh, you know, he would have been – I don't think he could have, but – uh, mm-hmm. The play had no chance, and and you could see it. I mean, you you didn't you didn't have to watch the end of it. The second Milrow started running, it was over. Yeah, yeah. So I I just hate for people to jump on Milrow, and I think it's the same way I'm here in Charlotte with the Panthers. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Good luck. Nice poor guy. He's just getting killed. You know. Yeah. And, well, uh, I've watched a lot of those games too. 
Lanier and Bryce, in Bryce's case, there's no way of knowing uh, what kind of. I, I, I mean, he looks so bad because he's on the run every play. And yeah, right. if you when you're on the run in the NFL, you're going to you're going to you're going to get burned every time. Hey, thanks for the call, Dwayne in Louisiana. Yeah, you're on the run too, Paul. Paul, tell him. Nobody want to hear about no no Charlotte, North Carolina. Nobody want to hear about that man, the offensive lineman. That, hey, Paul, Paul, you talking? That man, that man did good. Yeah, that's that's a young kid, and he made some a couple mistakes. You don't supposed to do that to them young kids. Talk bad about them young kids like that. What'd hey, Dwayne. Say? First of all, both those young kids are declared. Uh, one's in the portal. One's declared for the NFL. <laughs> so they're really they're no longer young kids. <laughs> hey, hey. What about Lad Kippen? Lad Kippen. Lad Kippen don't want to pay that boy, huh? You don't want to get that boy no million dollars, huh? No, I think he's already. I think he's already given him a lot. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He want to be in the portal. That one of the top running backs in the country. And then Kipper, what he got? One year left. He got one year left. Well, I think so. But listen, I, I don't that know. I don't know Quinshawn, but he made the. I, I think he made the right call because uh, this was always. Yeah, this he is, this is the new world of NIL. He was unhappy. He won't get paid. Uh, sure, he did. Hey, he won't get paid. And by the way, uh, he he was deserving of getting paid, but he was already getting paid. Yeah, he was. He was getting a little bit, but he was getting back. Like Archer Manning, that, that dude protected that backup garbage can over there, Archer Manning. He can he got he got two point five million dollars, but not playing one lick. It's an investment. Huh? An investment well, in next year. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, Paul, Bob, Bob. Hey, hey you Wayne, when you me? when you go out on the rig, do you get paid? Yep, I get paid around the clock. <laughs> I get paid around. Well, that's the what clock, these young. Buddy. That's what these young uh, men are doing right now. They're <laughs> hey, getting paid. But I'm working for mine. Hey, well, I'm working. They ain't doing no. No, no you don't understand, make- Dwayne. Uh, when you when you do what Quinshawn does, you get paid. Do a Crenshaw? Who Crenshaw is? Quinshawn. Crenshaw, oh, yeah, the running back. Yeah, hey, Crenshaw, yeah, the, the old. Hey, uh, are you uh, are you going to do your part and make sure he goes to Baton Rouge? No, we don't need him down there. The, uh, by the way, you, you're right no, about that. I, one thing he we could do, him. hey Dwayne, if he goes to Baton hey. Rouge, there are a couple openings. He could coach the defense. He could, he got about he, hey. he could get paid for five five times as hey. much as he as he hey. normally would. Hey, but you know one thing, look, you know one thing. We uh, uh look, let me tell you one thing, Mr. Paul Farnbaum. Major Burns, the safety for LSU, he got nerve enough to come back to LSU and all that garbage play he did. He did more he did more profiling standing in the backfield than tackling somebody. He got nerve enough to come back for a senior year. Huh? Major Burns. He's garbage. Uh, Dwayne, He's garbage. Uh, why, why don't you get a grip and 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 quit treating these guys like they they play for the Saints. Hey. They don't. <laughs> I know. Uh, David Cook all that money. Huh? David Cook got one hundred fifty million dollars for four years, and he garbage too. Uh. <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, hey. Uh, Judkins. Hey. Jud, you know, back to Judkins. Uh, I mean, there were a couple of yeah. games. I, I there were a couple of games last year. I didn't see him. Did you? See, uh, a couple games I saw him. Uh, a couple games I. Saw him, I mean, I, I saw I saw Jackson's. Uh, he was very judicial last year, in, in, in when he played. Hey, thanks for the call. Tommy is up next. Tommy, can you hear me? 
I can, Paul. Well, and how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Well, I called you know, to talk about your buddy there, I, man, but I didn't know he had an illegitimate brother that lived out in Texas somewhere that didn't know a damn thing about Alabama. But, yeah, he thinks he knows everything. Well, I man does know everything. Oh, well, I know. You know, he knows a lot about what was it he went on yesterday, ass whooping. Evidently, he didn't watch Auburn whenever they went to, what was it, the Nashville Kumquat Bowl that they were in, playing against a backup quarterback for Maryland. I don't even know if that was an asshole, but I think that was a curb stopping. Yeah, that 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 was that was a behind, <laughs> that was a behind the woodshed curb stopping. <laughs> I know, but that that was the main thing. I I listened to him yesterday, and it was like that he must not watch his, any of his games. I mean, he, they they got curb stomped at home. By well, what I like what I liked about her was uh, Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze had the best answer I've ever heard. He said, we, we, "I didn't have time to prepare. I'm too busy trying to build Auburn for next year." That was a great response, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was. That, that's about it. Too. By the way, Hugh, you're you're not, you're not at Ole Miss anymore. Yep. That Auburn people don't want to hear yep. that. No, <laughs> next year he'll be trying to prepare for. Yeah, the Auburn. Next Auburn's year got then. a proud. Uh, <laughs> Auburn fans are, are very proud about the effort, and that includes the man making $10 million a year. Oh, I, that's a fact. I know it. But, you know, some of their fans, they want to talk about Alabama fans. They don't actually know what's going on. And I probably know as much about their team as most of them do. I mean, you know, you got Pat Sullivan, this all-world quarterback. Pat Sullivan would have been nothing. If there hadn't have been a wide receiver that went to Lee High School, and Montgomery that was catching everything that passed Terry Beasley. That's right. And then the backup quarterback from Lee High School was as good as Pat Sullivan, Tommy Trailer. Every time he come in, they scored. Yeah. Well, well, Tommy, uh, let me offer this about Pat Sullivan. He may have had uh, an All-American receiver, but he was so bad. He won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, We'll take a short break. Coming back with more after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted Hims subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Paul. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Paul. 
Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We'll talk more about LSU's coaching situation with Scott Rabelais in just a moment. Let's uh, get back to our calls. And Keith is up next in Alabama. Hello, Keith. Hey, how you doing, Paul? We are doing really I, well. Uh, I've been an Alabama fan for over 50 years. I watched the Bear, and I remember the Liberty Bowl mm. him winning that. I watched Gene Stallings when uh, he coached the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide, and Gino Toretta spent most of the evening looking at the top of the dome, inspecting the structural integrity. I was there in the stands. I remember Mike Shula years. And I understand how a team can be overwhelmed, but I, I still am having a little trouble trying to comprehend how Alabama was caught so flat-footed against a team that was – I mean, I researched them, and I saw they were they were a pretty – great team and poor Milrow getting sacked six times you you would think that it was just him in the center out there yeah and you certainly can't lay that off on him and I just I, I just I would like to have your input because you're a you're a, a, a well-known authority on these things and Give me some input. Make well every every uh, let, let me say this uh, everything I thought about the game going in uh, was wrong, and I, I did think it was a it was a dangerous game because there were some things about Alabama this season I've really never liked. But I also believed wrongly <laughs> that the difference would be speed, and Alabama wasn't wasn't faster than uh, than Michigan. What, I, I, going back to Billy Walters, remember the conversation we had with the the famed sports gambler. He, yes, he said he, he said he thought the Rose, he, he liked Michigan in the game. That was that was unequivocal. He didn't think the Rose, he thought the Rose Bowl turf was going to negate Alabama's speed. And I'll I'll defer to others, but ultimately I think it was a matter of preparation. And Michigan had a had a better plan. And I blame Tommy Reese for a lot of that. Uh, I, I think he got way too much credit down the stretch and he did he did dial up a brilliant game against Georgia but his game against Michigan uh and I'm well aware before somebody calls that the game went in overtime (laughs) I do remember seeing that as well uh he dialed up some terrible plays uh and and I say that knowing he's got a center problem as the game was going on knowing that his line was struggling and and he still tried to on that final play to power it in. Yeah. By the way, Saban said, Saban said afterwards that the only, the only thing I don't know, and maybe somebody does is what the original call was. Saban said that they changed 
the call after they saw the set. I'm not sure what. I really want to know what that first call was because it had to be better than the second call. And it doesn't matter to me what Michigan was lined up on because the, the, they, they, they knew what was coming. They certainly had our number that night. It was uh, as if even when we were ahead, we, we really weren't ahead. No, but I think sometimes you, 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 you get ahead. You use a lot of energy getting ahead. And then I'm going to have to go back and watch it because my mind is a little cluttered. But there was that moment when they had the lead and the ball. And what are, they, what are we really talking about here? A couple of first downs and the game's over. Yeah. And, and that, that's where you lose games. And then, the, and then the defense, which has really been spectacular, just took the rest of the day off. Yeah, I was, uh, I was certainly, I was, I was, I, I guarantee you I was caught off guard because I didn't bet on it, but had I bet on it, I'd have lost everything well, and I would have bet a bunch. Keith, I don't want to be duplicitous here and say, well, I really like Michigan. But I, 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 I liked a lot of things about Michigan, except I just, I, I did the most obvious thing you can do. I looked at the teams that they had beaten uh, and Penn State, we all know, Ole Miss beat them to, to a pulp. <laughs> they did. Uh, Ohio State. But again, what we saw Friday night wasn't the Ohio State team that we saw in Ann Arbor. They were without the quarterback. They were without their best wide receiver. <laughs> so that's a little bit uh, deceiving. Thank you very much for the call. By the way, none of what we're saying ma- makes a bit of difference. In it. The game's over. Uh, <laughs> Victor is up next. Uh, hey, Victor. Hey, Paul, this is a first-time caller. I enjoy your show, man. Thank you very much. But, great, uh, great to hear from you. I just wanted to comment on these Georgia fans on my social media page, you know, talking about Alabama lost two games and, and they only lost one, but they ain't telling that they, you know, was at the crybaby bowl with Florida State Community College that day that they beat. And they, they just, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. But I'll give you a roll, tide. Like your show, man. You have a good day. Thank you very much. Stacy is up next. Paul Feinbaum. What's up, my brother? Hey there. Man, Larry in the hospital? Uh, we haven't heard from him today. Some other call to check on my boy Larry. But all I wanted to say is win, lose, or drop. Everybody going to keep talking about Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. No matter what we do, we're still going to talk about Alabama. I promise you, we're going to be right back in the driver's seat next year. And then everybody worrying about what Nick Saban going to do. Nick Saban ain't going nowhere. Why would he go somewhere? Why? Answer that for me, Paul. I have no idea, Stacy. I, I will defer okay. to you well, because you, you clearly know more about Nick Saban than anybody else. Well, it, you know what? To a point, I do. To a point, I do. So we got we gonna have him for five more years. And how about you get him on the show like you did? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. How about uh, you but, get him on the show? Well, first of all, we don't have a million dollars to pay him. You, now I know you. Now listen, you got it. You, you uh, go well, you know what? Uh, even if I had it, I don't think it would be worth it. So uh, you know, I mean, he does a show every week. He's paid a million dollars, and I congratulate him for making that kind of money. But that's why he's on that show. 
Paul, let me ask you this, Paul. You say you, you say we can't we you say people can't cuss on your show, right? Uh, that is our policy, yes. They cuss all day, every day on Paul McAfee's show. Well, you, you know McAfee. what, Stacy? Uh, that is th- that is their prerogative, and obviously the management uh, of ESPN uh, believes very strongly in that show. But uh, I, I don't really believe in cursing, uh, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, but the biggest reason is we have a lot of young people watching this show, and while I'm sure they can hear it up and down the dial, I'm sure they can hear it wherever they go. Uh, we, we, we do our best. I realize this show goes on the edge. A lot of things happen here that uh, some of you don't approve of, but, but I don't believe uh, we have to curse uh, to make our points. I agree with you on that. 100% because I don't curse either. I, I haven't cursed yet. I'm not going to curse. But, but by the way, I, 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 I'm, not a, I'm not opposed to cursing. Uh, I've heard it all my life, uh, but it's just something where I live, uh, we, don't, we don't do it. I agree, Paul. I agree. By the way, Stacey, that doesn't mean I don't think it, okay? <laughs> and I'm thinking of it right now as we say goodbye to you. We'll take a break. <laughs> Scott Rabelais, who's a darn good guy, and he will be with us next. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Big story from yesterday. Scott Rabelais writing about the situation with Brian Kelly and his staff. LSU won 10 games this year. You would think that would be cause for celebration as opposed to a wipeout of several key staffers. Scott Rabelais, one got run, the other one left. Scott, good afternoon. Uh, Should be a quiet offseason in Baton Rouge. It has been anything but. It's been quite chaotic. What's going on? Yeah, Paul, it's uh, it's shaping up to be a very pivotal offseason for Brian Kelly uh, heading towards his third season at LSU. Of course, we already knew before the Relia Crest Bowl that Mike Denbrock, the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, you know, big architect of this offense that you know was the best offense in the country this year, left for Notre Dame, uh, kind of a lateral move. But uh, I think he's from the Upper Midwest, so that's where he'd like to be. And then, uh, you know, we've been asking about, you know, everybody's been kind of thinking about what's as bad as the defense has been. The uh, Matt House, the defensive coordinator, maybe some other coaches might be uh, in trouble. Brian Kelly said he's evaluating, the, you know, wait, wait till after recruiting, wait till after the bowl. Well, he didn't wait long after the bowl. <laughs> uh, he, he fired uh, on Wednesday. He 
he uh, called in uh, Matt House and his uh, quarterbacks coach and his safeties coach and his defensive line coach uh, Jimmy Lindsay, who didn't coach at all this year. Yeah, he, he he suffered a, a, a real serious health problem in the preseason, but he's not being retained either. And so um, so they're going to be looking for some new some new faces on on the defensive side of the ball. And um, it's uh, like I said, a pivotal time because uh, look, as we all know. Uh, you know the college football playoffs expanding. I, I think you would agree for, for schools like LSU, a lot of the top echelon schools in the SEC, it's pass fail. It's make the playoff or you, you had a bad season from now on, and uh, you can't make the playoff with the kind of defense LSU played this year. So, I mean, the obvious question um, your 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 audience is asking, and everyone is asking, who's next? Uh, not, I know you just don't throw things up against the wall, but what kind of names are we hearing? Well, you know, a couple of different names for different things. You know, I think I think a, a lot of the fan base would be would be happy if they got Bo Davis, uh, former LSU player and coach, to come back and coach the D line, and Corey Raymond, uh, who was let go, of course, in right. Florida, uh, mm-hmm. and um, but you know, coached under Ed Orgeron, and uh, a lot of people were surprised that Brian Kelly didn't give him more of a look, more of a look when he came to LSU after the 2021 season. But Corey is known as a good, very good recruiter. And obviously he's from Louisiana. He's from New Iberia. So he's got a lot of ties. And then uh, another uh, Louisiana name that has come up a lot is Blake Baker, who played at Tulane. His wife was an all SEC soccer player at LSU. And uh, he's of course the defensive coordinator at Missouri. Uh, They've apparently already offered him a, a a contract extension and a raise as you expect after the kind of season they've had at at Missouri. But uh, uh, he's uh, supposedly emerged as a front runner, and, and that would make sense. Uh, you know, a, a younger coach who you know knows the recruiting turf in Louisiana, being a native and uh, someone who's done a good job this year at uh, at a fellow SEC school. So uh, we'll see where, where they go. But you know, Brian Kelly, obviously being a head coach for more than 30 years as he is, his, the, the the branches of his coaching tree are, are are pretty lengthy. So yeah, he could go a lot of places. I'm sure. We're talking about. Uh, the situation in Baton Rouge. And I know that there is a lot of reaction. Brian uh, Kelly did not have a terrible season. Uh, that 10th win was fairly important. I know how, how big of a deal that was to the program. But just how would you characterize uh, this year? We know what last year was. This year was not not great in many respects. Yeah, I mean, you know, they started number five. There wasn't a lot of place to go, but down in a sense for LSU. They started preseason number five, and and you know they they had and then you know they lost to Florida State right out of the bat. And of course, you so you, you feel like you got no margin for error the rest of the year, and then uh, you know defense kept being a culprit. You know, defense was a culprit to a large degree in that Florida State game, though the offense was probably their worst game. Um, and then you score forty nine points at Ole Miss, and and LSU should should win when they score 49 points in a, in a game and you lose that game. And then of course you lose at Alabama after you kind of got it back together. So I think a lot of people would say the season was a, a bit of a disappointment. I, I think because the offense was so good with Jaden Daniels and Malik neighbors and Brian Thomas and Logan Diggs. I mean, all these guys, like I said, number one in the country in scoring and in total offense, if they had just a decent defense ball, just a, you know, an average defense, you think, well, you know, they're at least in a New Year's six bowl game. You know, they probably beat Ole Miss and they're, you know, they got a shot at least in one of the Alabama or Florida State games. Maybe, you know, they're in the playoff hunt. I think just the sense in Alabama, in Baton Rouge has been, yes, obviously it was great that Jaden Daniels won the Heisman Trophy and had this amazing season, but it feels like they wasted it, you know, as compared to 2019 when the offense was so prolific with Joe Burrow 
and and, and uh, Jamar Chase and 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 Jefferson and Marshall and and uh, Edwards Elaire, all those guys, and they they took advantage of it. And again, that wasn't an all-time great LSU defense, but it was better than this. And so, you know, they they they've got to get better. They've got to bring in better players, and and now they got to bring in new coaches, and uh, and we'll see uh, see where where they go. Yeah, a little of this is I got to say. So, you know, some bad fortune for LSU. They, they, they brought in four cornerback transfers, and none of them panned out. Two of them got hurt, and two of them ended up being discipline issues. Uh, so, you know, sometimes you know, those things don't go your way. And maybe if it did, maybe the defense would have been a little better, but uh, it's got to be better now. I mean, obviously there's a mandate to, to, to be better uh, uh, going forward so you can be a playoff contender. So the questions now, uh, your, your thoughts on what, what you saw in recruiting and, most important, the portal. What, what's the evaluation? Yeah, a lot of people worried about the recruiting class. You know, they were ranked in the, you know, 12th, 13th. And, and uh, you know, lately they've bumped up a little bit uh, to um, they're like uh, on3.com has them seventh in the country. I think maybe 24-7 has them eighth. It's a good, solid recruiting class. They filled a lot of needs, getting a lot of guys on the lines. They got a big commitment from Dominic McKinley, an in-state player, the top player in the state. He originally committed to Texas A&M when Jimbo Fisher was there. Uh, New Year's Eve, like right about midnight, he announced his his decision to uh, be part of this LSU class, so so he will sign in February. Um, and it makes one think, Paul, that that um, this wasn't just you know another bad performance against Wisconsin when LSU gave up over 500 yards to a mediocre offense uh, that, that, that turned – Brian Kelly's mind against the Matt House and these other coaches. I think it's it's plausible to assume that they they let a player like Dominic McKinley know like change is coming. Where there's going to be some improvement here. But they got a few players in the portal. A wide receiver from Mississippi State. You know, filled a couple of spots there. But then they're trying to wean themselves off the portal too much. You know, they they've had to go really heavy in the portal the first two years under Kelly because they were so shorthanded coming off the end of the Ed Orgeron era. You know, people may remember. 38, 39 scholarship players who were available to play in that the Texas Bowl against Kansas State at the end of the 21 season. So they're trying to kind of get away from that and build more with high school players. And uh, so I, I think I think they're on their way. And they we're gonna they just got a, 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 recruit, a commitment from the the top running back in the country, who's from Metairie, uh, right outside of New Orleans. And then they're trying to get Bryce Underwood. Uh, he, we're gonna find out about him this weekend, the number one quarterback for 25 out of Michigan. So. Uh, uh, I, I think I think things are turning in a good direction for LSU, but Brian Kelly could use a couple, along with good position coaches, he could use a couple more good recruiters on his staff. Something tells me he will get that. Scott, always great to catch up. You, you be well. Scott Rabelais from The Advocate down in Baton Rouge, the latest on a program that many people are watching here on the first week of January. We'll take a short break. Your phone calls around the corner. It's been a busy show. We continue after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Let's uh, continue with more phone calls. And uh, Tristan is up next in North Carolina. Hello, Tristan. Hello, Tristan. Yeah. Hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy. Oh, I was just wondering uh, if next, when Ole Miss is on their way to their uh, first national championship in 60 years, if we're going to get to hear more about them. That's all you're going to hear about. Starting this, starting right now, yeah. this, we are we are committed to Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. They will they will win it all next year. Is that what you're telling me? Hey, I've been, I'm only 20 in my mid 20s. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've never uh, believed that we had a shot going back to the Cutcliffe years, but I think next year we have a legitimate shot. I yeah, mean, well, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I was alive when they won it last, but I was I was too young to really remember it. So I, I, I'm eager to see Ole Miss win again as well. I can't, cannot wait. Thanks for the call. Book it. Ole Miss fans are pretty fired up. Do you get that impression? Charlie is in Tennessee. Good afternoon. Hey, Paul. I just want to, first of all, give credit to Michigan because uh, they played that game. Uh, they were a lot tougher physically and mentally than I expected them to, to be, and they played a great game. But with that being said, I think if you just keep everything the same and make one tiny little change, Alabama ends up winning that game. Alabama's going to win it if Lane Kiffin is the offensive coordinator. They're going to win it if Sharon Moore is the offensive coordinator. They're going to win it if Ryan Grubb is the offensive coordinator. And Bama is a little bit spoiled because they have so many great players, and even against good teams, they can just win by lining up and executing. Hey, by the way, do you remember uh, about a year ago when when Grubb was under consideration for Alabama? I I didn't know that. I believe he. I believe he came and interviewed, and then he turned it down. Yeah, but but you know Alabama can win because the offense calls a play, defense calls a play. They line up, and, and our guys better than your guys. But occasionally they're going to run into somebody where that doesn't work. And when that happens, they've got to be able to scheme guys open and create favorable matchups. And we just haven't been able to do that since Sark left. And there was zero creativity in the offense on Monday night. Yeah, Jalen's running kept him in the game, but his line was like 20 run rushes for 63 yards. I don't know why anybody would think that that play would work. Well, the only, it, it, was, there was, it was never going to work. And I think, I think what, what happened is the timeout game became a factor. Uh, and, and I hate that. I mean, I believe if you – I know you have to change, your, change your, your approach a little bit, but you don't know what they're, what they're going to – just because they line up, everyone knows that in overtime both sides have one timeout. So you, you are probably going to use them. And but you have to be smart. And, and I, I listen, I, I, I didn't like Tommy Reese early on. And uh, I, I kept being told uh, I was uh, I was blatantly wrong. I appreciated what he did. He changed. I don't know if Tommy Reese changed as much as he had to wait for his offensive line to start 
blocking, and that when they finally did, he, 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 he was able to throw some things in there, especially down the stretch that worked very effectively. He had a quarterback that was on fire. Uh, none of that happened on, on Monday night. You had a physical team in Michigan. They, they were tougher than Alabama, uh, and, and that really mattered. Uh, that, that kept Michigan in the game even when they tried to give it away. And it, when it really mattered, much like it did two years ago in the fourth quarter of the Georgia game, they imposed their will and, and won the game. And that, that, is, that is, to me, a very frustrating angle of Alabama that I, I realize where they were, but the, the idea that they allowed Michigan to bully them at the most critical moment in the game. Disturbing. Jason is up next. Hello, uh, Mr. Feinbaum. Good afternoon. Happy New Year to you. Happy hey, New Year. I, Thank you. I, um, back in 2020, the Southeastern Conference uh, pretty much saved everyone's sanity by having a football season. Um, I listened to you interview the commissioner, and he led the way on that. And obviously the Big Ten got in the party late. But you have a tendency to discredit the 2020 championship and I, I think you're wrong on that count because with everything that went on with COVID, the social uh, justice stuff that was going on at the same time, and for Nick Saban to keep that team together with all those superstars and go through a season where they beat 10 SEC opponents and then beat Notre Dame and Ohio State. So why do you put the asterisk next to that one, Paul? Well, for the record, Jason, I've never uh, put the asterisk there. I made a point the other morning, I think it's the first time I've mentioned it, uh, that it, has, it had been, other than the 17 season, the COVID year, because a lot of people do discredit the COVID year. I don't, but I, I also don't value it to the degree because it, it, it was such a blur. But no, uh, no, there's no question that Nick Saban was absolutely brilliant that year in managing the team as he is pretty yes, much every I, year. Yeah, but I mean, to, but, to, to, you know, I know everybody's talking about saving. What's he going to do? The man's 72. That's not old. The president's older than that. And Pete Well, Carroll, no, listen, uh, Jason, uh, you, I frankly think Nick Saban would be a better president. Uh, I do too. <laughs> maybe but, we could but, get him to run. But, but, I, I, I want to I I ask you, though, he, he did that, and he's been – He's not dried up. He's nothing. Yes, we haven't won a national championship game, but he's been in the game. We were in the game in 21, in yes. the playoffs in 23. You know, Bama's lost six games. Listen, I, I am, Jason, I, I appreciate the, uh, the education on how Alabama does, and, not, but I, I, I'm aware uh, of that. And I know all we're doing, uh, the, here's the difference. Please Nick Saban was in every championship game from – 15 yes. until and he didn't win and through, eight, and through 18. Uh, he's mm -hmm. been to one since then. These are things that I've pointed out because they are a distinction. I made the point the other day, this is the first time Alabama has not been ranked number one. I thought these are things that are so amazing that I think they're worth pointing out. And as you, as you examine dynasties, uh, sometimes they, they, they go quickly and sometimes there are point of references uh, yeah, I, I, and and all, that's all I'm pointing out. I, I don't think Alabama I, 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 is in a dynasty anymore in terms of winning championships. They're still in an amazing run, 
but Kirby Smart has won two national championships but, since but, Nick Saban has won, won yes, one. You ha- but let me ask you this. Do you think it's harder to win a national championship now, or was it harder to win one before BCS and then the BCS era? Well, I, I think I think it is more difficult now, and I think it's about to become a lot more difficult with the 12-team playoff because there's such an unpredictability that's going to happen. Uh, and somebody said earlier, uh, you wouldn't think Saban would want to go out losing a, a semifinal. You, you also wouldn't want to go out getting upset in the first round. Uh, there are a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of landmines next year. Alabama will be ranked preseason one or two next year. One, two, or three. That is not changing. That's how great this program is under Coach Saban. It's just a matter of, of, of degrees. That's all we're talking about. Uh, Nick Saban was, was about the safest bet in college football from uh, 2009 and, until 2018 when he lost by 28 in the national championship game. Let's check in next with Mark in Virginia. Hey, Mark. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Thank you for taking the call. Thank you. Um, I'm a first-time caller, but a long-time fan. I've followed your analysis all the way back to the 80s when you were with the Birmingham Post-Herald. Thank you very Appreciate much. Your views. I tell you what, Mark, uh, I, I didn't uh, – yeah. hold your thought for a second. I, I frankly did not realize where we were, uh, in the, and I was about to give you a 15-second call, and I don't want to do that because you're, too, you got, uh, you're in too good a shape here with, with your point. Let's come back to you in a minute. I'll – have a drink during the break, and maybe I'll keep a better eye on the clock. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. 